Marner's Gold We are told of the awakening of Marner's absorbing passion like this. Quote, Now, for the first time in his life, he had five bright guineas put into his hand. No man expected a share of them, and he loved no man that he should offer him a share. Unquote. All the important elements of this newfound obsession are there in that first introduction. He delights in its sheer beauty. He sees it as a material manifestation of his hours of incessant toil. He takes pleasure in being able to hoard it without interference from his fellow men. And, we will find, it stands as a substitute for their fellowship. There is a sensuous appeal to the gold. Marner discovers the delight of holding the coins in his palm and admiring their bright faces. Their form and color become like the satisfaction of a thirst. As the handfuls grow into piles and piles into heaps, he likes to spread them out and bathe his hands in them, feeling their outline between his fingers. Their beauty holds an end-in-itself enjoyment. For this man in his spider-like existence of steady weaving, the gold is also both a way to mark his work into periods and a tangible reward for his toil. That he has no purpose for it, nothing and no one to spend it on, only intensifies his attachment to the gold itself. For this man, alienated from his brothers and living a lonely existence, it is a pleasure he can enjoy alone. It's an obsession that both exists independent from and serves as a substitute for life in society. We are told it was a passion that subsisted quite aloof from the life of belief and love from which he had been cut off. But in the absence of that life and that love, the coins become his companions. He would on no account have exchanged those coins for other coins with unknown faces. He draws them out at night, when his work is done, to enjoy their companionship. And he thinks fondly of those not yet earned, almost as if they had been unborn children. It is a passion formed in the absence of fellowship, but felt as a substitute for it. But it can't, of course, fill that void, and the reality is that, quote, year after year, Silas Marner had lived in this solitude, his guineas rising in the iron pot, and his life narrowing and hardening itself more and more into a mere pulsation of desire and satisfaction that had no relation to any other being, unquote. When we think of the gold hoarder, we think of Dickens' Scrooge. I think it's crucial to note here that despite their surface similarities, Silas and Scrooge have almost nothing in common spiritually. Scrooge's heart was cold. Silas's is broken. Scrooge was a miser and a misanthrope who loved money more than men. Silas enjoyed intimate fellowship until betrayal drove him to despair, and he collects his coins with the innocent pleasure of a child. The childlike purity of Silas's attachment is affirmed by the heart-rending description of another value he holds dear, that earthenware pot. For this fervent-hearted man, whose lonely life has been reduced only to the satisfaction of his most primitive needs, 
even a water pitcher becomes a precious treasure. The image of him carrying the pieces of the broken pitcher with grief in his heart is one I will carry with me forever. As a personal aside, I bought my son a safe and a bar of gold, a tenth of an ounce, for Christmas. He says that of all the gifts he's ever received, it is his favorite. And every time he takes it out to polish it or feel it between his fingers, I think of Silas. Silas.